into the first edition of the Sean Show in what feels like forever. Um, we had a lot going on in life as things tend to tend to happen, but the boys are back. My name is Curtis. I'm your host for this evening. I am joined by Josh and Jordan. As per usual, guys, welcome back. Uh, this feels right. I gotta be honest. This feels real right. This feels real good. How you guys feeling out there? Man, it feels really good to be back. Like you said, we haven't done this in a long time, but we're back to talk some shots, and it just feels good to be back in here with you guys. Yeah, I definitely miss you guys a lot, and, um, you know, it just feels right, like you said, Curtis, and, hey, the boys are back. Let's get into it. Let's start talking about some Shana Clear sports. Yeah, and we'll go ahead. We'll start with what was kind of a surprise to be honest for for most of us and that is coastal baseball they're damn good <laughs> and we knew they'd be they'd be okay we knew they'd be competitive we knew that they they weren't a bottom feeder team but we didn't expect it to be this good we didn't expect the type of offensive output we were getting we didn't expect the type of pitching we're getting especially in the starting roles those guys are killing it right now um this team currently as we record today sits third in the Sun Belt, a half game back from Georgia Southern in second. Uh, next week is the Sun Belt tournament first round. So, you know, try and keep that seating, try and jump up one more is not a bad thing. And Coastal could make a run here. But where are you guys at with this baseball team right now? Yeah, man, like you said, we knew it was supposed to be good, like at least some degree. We were projected to finish third in the Sun Belt preseason. That's where they picked us. But to start the season, and the three of us, I mean, we watched more Coastal Baseball than we were probably willing to watch during that early start of the season. It was just rough. It was inconsistent. I had to go home early from school, but the last game I worked kind of summed up the season to that point. We tied ULM 17-17, and I think up to that point, it had been a mantra the whole season was that we had a great offense, explosive offense, experienced guys, but the pitching was just abysmal, to be honest, and it was like that last year. That's why we lost so many games. And I didn't really see us breaking out of that, but the pitching's really stepped up and the fielding is cleaned up as well. And we haven't lost a home game since like April 10th. We've won nine in a row, something like that. And I don't know, the shots have turned it on and really, really just playing clean baseball. And it's the pitching. We've always had enough offense to win these games, but the pitching's really locked in and that's been the difference so far. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Josh. Uh, it was definitely the pitching. Um, we noticed that in the beginning of the season, we were losing um, leads in the ninth inning. We were, you know, we couldn't get, you know, our pitching to close out our games. But now, you know, it seems like everything just started to click on April 14th when we had that series against App State. Yeah. And, you know, from that point on, you know, we've yeah. been 18 and three those last, the last 21 games since then. Um, we, I mean, keep this into perspective. We've beaten, we swept App State. We swept UT Arlington. We beat a really good College of Charleston team. Um, we've beaten and swept uh, Little Rock, Arkansas Little Rock, swept Troy, and we demolished Clemson. Yeah, we got to talk about that. So, I mean, I don't know what the players, you know, I guess, you know, they've been buying in on what Coach Gilmore and what the coaching staff have been doing, but, man, we did not expect – if you would have told me that out of the last 21 <laughs> games, we go 18-3 and three and demolish Clemson the way that we did, I I wouldn't have believed you. I really wouldn't have. But I'm glad to see these guys, you know, turn it on the way they are. 
we got two regular season games left, and then we got the Sun Belt Champion Tournament. So we'll see what happens uh, going forward. Yeah, and, and this has been a team that caught fire at the right time. You know, this season really could have gone one of two ways. You mentioned that App State series. Yeah. Like you said, it was the turning point of the season. It pro- propelled us to the point where we're now, hell, this team is almost guaranteed to make the tournament regardless of how they do in the Sun Belt tournament. Now, you, you, you probably can't afford a first-round exit type deal. And even then, you probably drop from a three to a four in your region. And go out west or something, yeah. Right. You, yeah, you don't have to go anywhere. Currently, and this was before these weekend series started, um, Baseball America, who's like the go-to, right? This that That's it. You, they're the force in college baseball. Has us in the Hadesburg, Mississippi regional as a three seed with Southern, Miss, Southern Mississippi as the one, Georgia as the two, and like you said, a College of Charleston team as the four that we beat. And beat... Not handily, but but handled them, you know, and, and we're able to, to put up a good showing against. I like our odds in that regional. I, again, I don't think we're the favorites, but I like our, our odds. And that App State series puts us in a position where we can say that and say that with confidence. But where yeah. are you guys at headed into postseason play? What are your expectations for this team? Yeah, I just real quick before I answer that, I wanted to backtrack. And you guys mentioned that App State series. But the series before that, we got – and it creates even further turning point. Like you said, we got swept by Georgia state. Who's not a good baseball team at home. We got swept by them. And I literally sent in a group chat with these guys on the podcast right here, asking coach, if we should ever consider moving on from coach Gilmore, that's how bad it was. We were like six and six and one in conference play and whatever happened, whatever the team did. I know we know from being around them, this is a close group of guys, a tight knit group. And whatever happened in there, they bought in. I don't know what happened. The pitcher started using a little sticky stuff on the ball. I don't know, but they turned it around. And like you mentioned, heading into this postseason, we're hot. I think I saw we jumped 40 spots in the RPI in the past three, four weeks now. We were in 60, 65, which like is around the bubble technically. But with all the um, auto bids from winning your tournaments, you really need to be in the top 40 to have a realistic chance of getting in. But I really like how we're playing our pitching is shutting everybody down. Our offense is scoring double-digit runs most games. And if we're in that regional that you just said, and I know it will probably change, but I like our odds as well. And nobody's hotter in the country than the shots right now. So, And that's a dangerous thing. Well, for me, I mean, you know, with this run that they're going on, I think we can beat anybody. Yeah. I mean, honestly. I mean, I feel like the only thing that needs to stay consistent, though, is our pitching. And the way that we are handling our at-bats when we come to the plate. If we can do those two things, then, you know, I feel like we can hang with anybody. I mean, we literally saw the other day, I think, uh, Mississippi State, who are the defending national champs, they got handled by Tennessee. So, um, you know, I don't think they got enough in them this year to make a run back to another national championship. And, you know, the guys are probably starting to feel like they can be- they believe in themselves, like they can get it done. So I feel like I feel like sky's the limit. I feel like, you know, we're like you said, Curry, we're sitting at third right now in the Sun Belt. Why can't we go ahead and win this whole tournament and make a run? Why not? Yeah, it's not out of the question, right? It's it's not out of the question that I hate to bring this up and I hate to set these expectations, but this feels a lot like twenty sixteen. 
Yeah, no, yeah. I wasn't at Coastal for 2016. I wasn't a student here, and I followed college baseball kind of on the side, right? But that Coastal Carolina team got hot at the right time. They got hot late in the season, swept or won most of their their last six or seven series going into the postseason, got into the regional as a four, and then made a hell of a run and ended up bringing the national championship back to Conway. This team feels like they can do that. It feels like finally the pitching staff is there. The starters have been there all season. Nick Parker's been good. Michael Knorr's been good. Like, the, the starters are great. It was when you went to the bullpen that you struggled. And a lot of that comes down to a lot of our relievers this year were actually starters before. A lot of these guys were starters for their high school team, and some of them were starters for Coastal in previous seasons. And it's hard to switch that mentality from starter to reliever, but I think now they've gotten used to it late in the season, and you feel confident pulling Michael Knorr off the off the bump with a, a one-run lead in the sixth inning and know that, hey, we can hold that one run. We can do it now, you know, bringing these guys out of the out of the bullpen, which finally, thank God we have that confidence yeah. and that ability. It makes you so much better as a baseball team. Yeah, and you mentioned the pitching. They've been great, but the at-bats and in the field, the lineup has now been, at first, in the beginning of the season, we were just trying to figure out what combination of guys would work, who we were going to be able to play in the field. But I'm looking at the stats now, and we have, Four or five guys that have started over 50 games now. Eric Brown, Nick Lucky, and Austin White have started every game that they've been available to play in that they weren't injured. And you look at the stat, and Tyler Johnson has really been the standout of this season. A guy that came into the season not even really in the starting lineup. He's only started 43 games out of like the 52. He cracked the lineup, and he's hitting sixth or seventh. He's hitting 357, leads the team in home runs with 14. And then right behind him, Eric Brown hitting 311. He's been, he hasn't been as spectacular as we were hoping he'd be, but he's been very, very solid. And another guy, Graham Brown, was not really playing at all preseason. He's really been my biggest surprise. I kind of put him off the radar. Oh, he's he's still got a year or two to work out, but he's also hitting 311 and he's come to be one of our everyday starters now. So I don't know. The consistency is something that it feels good to get back to that. That's how we were. We were a consistent lineup, group of guys that everyone knew their role. But to get back to that, it feels like Coastal Baseball's return to kind of its place as a national contender come tournament time because of the pitching and overall consistency, which is something we were desperately missing the past year and a half. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel, um, you know, two guys that I'm, I'm mostly looking at, Matt Joyce is definitely like the guy. If you're looking at throughout that pitch and rotation, Matt Joyce has to be the guy to to get us to where we need to get to because he's just that type of player on the pitching. Um, I like the way that he brings the um, the way he brings um, his velocity towards throwing the baseball. Um, he's a really good pitcher. I really like him, and I really like Dale Thomas. Dale's come yeah, he's been killing. Dale's come on since the uh, UNC Wilmington game. Um, and ever since then, he's hit uh, five home runs during that spam, even that grand slam against Clemson. So um, if we're going to make a run, I think all the players that we've named have to make a huge contribution. And the ones that 
we haven't even named yet, like the others that don't really get a lot of, you know, say so, they got to make a push as well if we want to get to where that 2016, 2016, 2016 team <laughs> went to. Yeah, you eventually got it out there, Jordan. But uh... <laughs> these braces, I'm telling you, it's these braces. <laughs> but yeah, I really, I believe in this team. Now, do I think that they're national champions and I'm ready to crown them now? No. But again, a lot like March Madness, scaled way down, is the baseball tournament. It's still, it's anybody's game. It's tournament play, man. It's it's winner go home type stuff. And, and a lot of these teams, when you put them in situations like that, they either crack or they become forged into steel. And I think this is a team that could become forged into steel. They've shown the resilience already from early struggles to turn it around and, and become what they can be and the best version of themselves. But, you know, it, it's a team that could easily go on a run. And if you can win this last series against South Alabama – you know, they already won the first game. We're, we're recording on, on a Friday night. They already won the Thursday game. They've got tonight and, and tomorrow. And if you can win this series, you don't have to sweep, but win it. I mean, you set yourself up to potentially be the two seed going into the Sun Belt tournament. And I don't know a team in the Sun Belt outside of maybe Texas State that compares to Coastal. You know, looking at it now, I don't see anybody that really challenges it. Even that Georgia Southern team that's technically ahead of us. I'd put them on par or, or below us. So it, it's it's really exciting. And I think the one thing that's that's still not great, <laughs> and the one thing that, that if they can fix it and, and get it better going in, into postseason play is the fielding. The fielding has been good but not great. You know, Eric Brown already on this season has 18 errors. Um, last night you had some plays that, that could have been made in foul territory and just weren't. Um, you had a couple of, of plays that, you know, they didn't make the smart play and it didn't get called an error, but it also wasn't a good play. And I think you eliminate some of those, and this team can go anywhere they want to go. They can go all the way to the national championship if they want, and then we can put a second one of those up on, on the uh, the walkway there. Yeah, right. So, I mean, that'd be incredible to bring another natty back to to conway yeah and it's not like we're saying this just because we're beating up in the sun belt early in the season we hosted a couple big name teams yeah. rutgers illinois west virginia wake fort and we beat them all we before we had those struggles the struggles were really at the start of sun belt play we were losing to truly inferior opponents and teams we shouldn't have been losing to but We've shown potential to beat the big – we lost – we got swept by UNC, but we lost every single one of those games by one run each. So we have the potential to beat these teams that are going to be competing for a national championship once we get into the Super Regionals and further on. So it's not like we're just saying this because we're dominating the Sun Belt, but this team's shown that they can hang with Power 5 teams and that they can beat anybody in the country like you mentioned, Curtis. Well, the one thing that um, just is really just – I'm not going to say I'm worried – but I'm just eager to see how this team um, is going to handle adversity. Because when it comes to the NCAA um, regionals and super regionals, you're getting a three-game series in those regionals. So I want to know how this team will react if they're down 0-1. Because you can't start playing um, with resiliency 
when it comes to being down 0-1. Because once you lose a second game, that's it. Your season's over. You're going home, wherever you're at. So I want to see how this team is going to handle adversity um, at that point in time. But um, like you said, Josh, I mean, I think playing the team, these teams that we had to play, you know, we, we haven't had a chance to play South Carolina. That's the only team from uh, the Palmetto State we haven't beaten, had a chance to play and beat. But we're 2-0 against teams in the Palmetto State. So, I mean, I hate I hate it for Clemson fans. I really don't. But I just like to say, um, you know, this is our state. You know, it's starting to <laughs> become our state when it comes to certain sports. And I know certain, some of these teams and colleges from this state don't like to hear that. But hey, coastal, coastal starting to really put a, a brand in that Shauna Clear in the state as one of the best teams in South Carolina. Yeah, and one guy that we have been critical of over the year, and you already mentioned him, he has 18 errors on the year, is Eric Brown. But in the past 10 games, he only has one error. He's really cleaned it up, and he needs to because he's the bona fide leader. He was the preseason Sun Belt Player of the Year. Do I think he'll win Sun Belt Player of the Year? No, but he's played like it at least in terms of being a leader over the past 10 games. And he's really going to be the X factor and the guy, the most experienced guy that all these dudes are going to be looking to come postseason time. So he's really going to need to continue to be a leader and step up. And right now I have good faith in him. And he certainly brings a lot of energy to the table too. He's got his shirt off after we win. He's always yelling. He's always keeping the guys in their spirits. So shout out Eric Brown for really turning the season around. And they're really going to need to rely on him come postseason time. I have never seen a human being pick his hat up more times than Eric Brown does during the baseball yeah. game. <laughs> I love that dude, but anytime he moves more than about six inches, it falls off the <laughs> back of his head. <laughs> but yeah, just to put it in perspective, I know I was dissing on him a little bit earlier, but currently Georgia Southern in RPI is ranked sixth in the country. Ooh. Coastal Carolina is 24th. The Clemson team that we just beat the brakes off of is 28th. Texas State, 29. The West Virginia team that we beat early in the season, you mentioned, 40th. Rutgers, 44. College wow. of Charleston, 47. Coastal Carolina beat most of those teams. Yeah. Right? So. And there's probably, what, two, three losses in that? If? Yeah, if that. Right? I have yeah. to go back and check the exact schedule. But, like. We beat most of those teams. And you look like Texas State is just a little bit, you know, they're they're in there too. But it's like this the resume that this team has built is really a strong resume headed into the postseason. But moving on from, from baseball a little bit, let's talk a postseason of different uh, of a different kind and talk postseason college basketball. Coastal Carolina makes it all the way to the Basketball Invitational Final. I know this is, is – we're going way back in time here, but, again, we haven't recorded in a long time. Uh, and then imploded is the best word after that tournament was over. They lost in the championship game, and how many people are they bringing back to this team? Like three? Like, it's it's not – good right now currently like everybody is either in the portal or headed off to the draft or going to play overseas or whatever and this team has completely and totally fallen apart yeah i currently i think and somebody correct me if there's somebody i'm missing i think we have two guys coming back from last year's team 
and that's Josh Duje and Will Akai. And to be honest, I'm surprised that those guys have not answered them because those are actually talented basketball players. And I don't know. I said it multiple times in this podcast that I think Josh Duje could play anywhere. And I don't know what has happened. Imploded is a perfect term. We have, I think we've already gotten, I was looking the other day, eight commits. And one of them just actually left today, Taj Dwiat, to transferred here midseason, enrolled, and then transferred out to Temple. So we can't even keep the transfers that we're getting midseason. We can't keep a guy for four months. But, yeah, Rudy Williams to BYU. We're not surprised at that. That was probably going to happen regardless of the season that we had. Surprised at the destination, but not surprised that he left. Right. Vince Cole, really, he shocked me. I'm not going to lie. I was thinking – he probably won't transfer because his family's from down here. He has his girlfriend down here, but, and then he declared for the draft and I'm thinking, Oh, he's going to test the waters. They're going to tell him what he needs to work on. We've been, we've praised him highly at this level. We're like, you can't speed him up. And then he comes out and says he's committed to staying in the draft and signs an agent. And I mean, the other guys that left Hippolyte, I mean, you, every other guy on the roster left. I think it's two guys that still remain. Um, well, Esam, he Esam, that's who I was forgetting. Esam put out an Instagram post saying, I actually was just FaceTiming him the other day. Mm -hmm. Esam is coming back, and he literally said, He said, They saved the best for last. He said, That's because I'm the best one. He literally said that. So he's 100% committed. When he FaceTimed me, he was actually in the gym, so at Coastal. So he's back, and that's the most important piece, right? I think, yeah, I agree. And like you said, three people, three people stay. Um, Jalen Milner, he transferred. He, Ahmaud, he transferred. Ahmad Harvey, he 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 transferred. I mean, you can't High blame point. him though. You can't. We knew blame that him. was coming. We knew he was <laughs> because he wasn't getting a lot of playing time. He's he committed a high point, so hopefully he gets a, a nice opportunity there to show what Kevin he can Williamson. do. Yeah, Kevin Williamson, he transferred. Um, uh, Isaac Hippolyte, he transferred also. Juwan, that surprised me. That caught yeah. me off guard. Absolutely. Uh, Abrima Diba transferring to USC, University of South Carolina, after we defeated them earlier yeah. this season. That was By shocking. 30. Yeah, we, that's shocking. So yeah. that was shocking. Deshaun Thomas, um, I'm not sure about him. I know he graduated because I graduated with him um, that day. Yeah, I actually haven't heard anything about him at okay. all. So I know, he, I know he graduated, which is really good. He's got a year left. I know that. Well, he may be he may be going somewhere else then as well. And Garrett Green was a super senior. He he, he doesn't he, have he, he can't come back. So um, he's like the only guy in the past like six seven years to actually graduate from this program. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous at this point. But all these all these transfers, um, it just it kind of makes me wonder what's going on behind closed doors. Um, it kind of makes me wonder like what's going on with the coaching staff and why are these players. Who we we all had high expectations for this season. I mean, after we after they beat University of South Carolina, we thought this team had a had a really good chance of making a run in the Sun Belt tournament, uh, which didn't pan they out did. the way we we thought it was going to happen. And then they made this run all the way to the basketball classic championship game, and they lay a goose egg on um, Fresno State. Um, so I mean, it just makes me wonder what's going on. Why? Why are these transfers? Why are these players transferring? 
um, and and what what's going on? Because we need to be trying to build something here at Coastal. I feel like this this roster that was brought in could have done that, and it just leaves a lot of disappointment and unanswered questions for a lot of us. Yeah, and we lost Coach Zach Setembre as well, and he was a guy that we've been very very highly praising of this past season, and he's already out to Tarleton State, probably at a higher assistant role, probably the main assistant to the head coach, and. He recruited a lot of the transfers we got midseason, so it, I guess it makes sense why some of them are leaving. And the only guy that is just, I'm super excited about is Antonio Day announced today, actually, that he was withdrawing from the draft to come back to Coastal Carolina. But we need to keep him to have any hope of being any decent level next year. But I don't know. Yeah. And it's not a shot at Vince. We love Vince. But in doing my own research, I don't know basketball as well as, as the other two that are on this podcast. But he's not even ranked in like the top 100, top 125 basketball prospects. We all rave about him and we think he'll be a good pro. But I think he's a good pro at the G League or in like foreign European or Asian markets, right? For that guy to declare for the draft and not just declare for the draft, but say, I ain't coming back regardless of what happens, tells me there's got to be more going on here. The fact that you're bringing back three guys on a roster, and we pounded this during the season. When you use six guys, your bench is one deep. How do you expect to keep any of those guys happy and keep them in the program? You can't. You physically can't. So it's just, I, I don't know what's going on, but... Do you think that this is, and you, you talked about this a little bit earlier, Jordan, do you think this is a problem with the NCAA and the transfer rules currently and like the NIL deal stuff and whatever? Or do you think this is a problem with Coastal Carolina and their coaching staff and the university itself? Well, I, I think it's a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, because we're starting to see a lot of players use the transfer portal um, to try to benefit themselves. And that's not – I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You know, nobody wants to be at a school like a Coastal Carolina or like, a, you know, a smaller school. They want to try to play at a Division One, bigger Division One level. Um, you know, Devontae Jones, he definitely took advantage of that as well, being with us. And then he transferred to Michigan and led Michigan to a Sweet 16. So he helped boost his stock up a little bit as well. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But I also think there's also going on with the coaching staff as well because there's no way you could only play six of the players that are on this roster. And we had a whole deep bench that could have came in and helped relieve Isam Mustafa, that could have came in and helped relieve Vince Cole, that could have came and helped relieve Rudy Williams, uh, those type of guys that were tired. These guys were playing heavy minutes all season. You know, Ahmad Arvey could have definitely came in and contributed. Guy's 6'7", 195 pounds. You tell me he doesn't make a difference? You know, Isaac Hippolyte, 6'7", 215 pounds, a decent rebounder. This guy could have came in and this Will Akai, we saw what he did. You know, Will Akai was the only one that was coming off the bench that was actually given an opportunity to do things. Him and Josh Duje were the only ones. And then everybody else, like Deshaun Thomas, I raved about Deshaun. I love Deshaun. Yeah. I think Deshaun could have been, like, all Sunbelt second team. That's how good I thought this guy was coming from LSU. But we never got to see what he could do because, you know, Coach Ellis never played him. None of those guys. So, yeah, I think it's got something to do with the coaching as well. But, the you know, transfer portal is also in it as well. So I, I think it's a little bit of both. 
Yeah, and I, I love I love that's a good question. But the only guy that's leaving us because of NIL and to get a bigger stage is Rudy Williams. That's the only guy. He's gonna go to BYU. He's already done a lot of NIL stuff there. We we knew that was happening. But Deshaun, not Deshaun Thomas, Isaac Hippolyte left us. And he barely he should have been starting like like or at least getting 25, 30 minutes. He got he was the one that would only get in when Esau was in foul trouble. I think he's a decent player. He transferred to go to Chawan, which is D2. He would rather transfer from Coastal D1 Sunbelt, a top 150 level program out of 350 or whatever, to go play D2. Like that is what's concerning to me and makes it think it's more internal and about the coaching staff than NIL. That's eye-opening for me. Yeah, it's it's really eye-opening when you think about all of it. And, and for me, it's coaching staff. I don't think there's there's definitely problems with the transfer portal, especially in football. Today, uh, Jordan Addison, cool. the wide receiver who won the bullet profit pit, announced he was going to USC three Got months bag. after he was announced that he was going to USC by one of yeah. their like, sponsors. So, like, that's a problem. But – in basketball, especially basketball with Coastal, it's not an issue. It tells me there's rot inside this program. It tells me that the reason Isam Mustafa stayed is because of something other than basketball. He must just love Myrtle Beach. There, like, It tells me that everybody got out because they could get out. And my favorite Twitter account right now is, is Coach Ellis firing you? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. gone. Like, I made this point before. He should be gone. And I know Coastal Carolina is scared shitless of change. Matt Hogue is – Matt Hogue, if you could lock him in right now and say that the next five years will be exactly the same as the last five years, he'd sign that piece of paper right damn now. They let Joe Mowgli be the coach of football for far too long. They're going to let Gary Gilliam coach himself into oblivion. He's still a great coach. He'll be fine. But he's definitely going to Joe Paterno himself and just be here for the next 72 years and they'll have to <laughs> trot him out in his wheelchair to hand over the, the lineup to the next guy. And Cliff Ellis falls in the same category. Sure, he's a legend, right? He's not a legend if you talk to somebody who lives in Texas. He's a legend if you talk to somebody who lives in Conway. Barely. Maybe because his name is associated with Coastal Carolina and has been for years, they're just gonna let it roll. And you mentioned it earlier. Zach September should be the head coach of Coastal Carolina today. Should have been head coach. That one hurts. Three months ago, after that that co- that college basketball invitational, I was at least- praying to God we would lose in the first round of that shit. A because I didn't want to work any of those games. We had to broadcast <laughs> on ESPN Plus, and I was just done with basketball at that point. And B, the Cliff Ellis could get the hell out of the way and we could get somebody who could move this program forward in. Do I think we're the next Duke? No. But do I think we could be the next VCU or the next Butler? Yeah, I think we could be. The next, like, like those teams, right, that make the tournament almost every year. They make it three out of every five years. Yeah, they win their, their conference most years. Like, damn, give me that, please. But no, let's stick with Cliff Ellis. It's not location. It's not talent because this year was one of the more talented teams that I've seen on a basketball court, top to bottom. We I mean we beat an SEC school by thirty points, and you're telling me we won what nineteen games? Yeah, I don't even think we won twenty games. I mean, 
to start the season five and one, beat the SEC school by 30. We have great talent. We were recruiting great. Taj, we have from West Virginia. We're getting guys. Antonio Day committed midseason via Satimbrae and Coach Benny Moss. We're getting great talent. It's not, That's not an issue. But for everybody to leave when they have the chance, the second they have a chance, and I don't for us to not be turning in 21 seasons, it's just it's unacceptable. And there's no excuses for it at this point. I don't think so. No, I know. I know we didn't win 20 games this year. You want to know? You guys want to know why? We, I know we didn't win 20 games because Co- Coach Cliff Ellis gets a bonus if we win 20 games, and we didn't. That 20th game would have been against Fresno State. It would have. So he didn't get it. We didn't. We didn't win that game. So I know he didn't get that Good. bonus. So, so yeah, we, yeah. So I know. I know for a fact we didn't win 20 games. But I mean, just it just makes me wonder, like, what if? And I hate to always bring that up when it's a really good team. What could have been of this team? Like, I hate yeah. it. It just makes me wonder, like, how far this team could have went if everything was, like, if everything had just fallen into place. If we had a good coach? If we had a <laughs> – okay. If we, if we could have used the rotation the way that we used <laughs> – like, anybody else used their rotation, like, we wouldn't Yo, use a bitch. Cool. So, I'm like, not gonna say, I'm not, rotation. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna say that, Curtis. You're not gonna make me say that. I'm not gonna say that. I'm listen. I got nothing against Coach Ellis. Coach Ellis is gonna go down as a like you said, a legend. Um, he's known around the South Carolina area. You know, had that stint in Auburn. So I'm not gonna go there with the guy. But it just makes me wonder, like, why aren't you using your bench? That's the only thing I had a, a question to ask. Why are you using your bench? That's all. Yeah. And that's what I was about to get to. I like Coach Ellis as a guy. I've gotten to work with him pretty closely the past year, especially. And he's a great guy and undeniably legend on the court. He's got like eight most wins all time, but it's just, I don't know. It's I'm sure it's hard to hang it up or at least transfer to like a Joe Moglia type of role. Yes. Now yes. You see, he can be exactly what Joe Moglia is in the football program. Still very involved. Still got his name attached, but let somebody else be on the sidelines, making the calls. You're a legend but you probably don't need to be on the sidelines anymore. And I don't know, like you said, he's a great guy. We love him, but it's gotta be with the coaching talent. We have even Benny Moss. Hell, Benny Moss is a great yeah. assistant coach. And I was going to ask coach, you head coach at UNC Wilmington. I can't believe he's been here for six, seven, eight years. I mean, he's waiting. he got, a, he got a chance to coach, be the head coach this year for a couple games while Cliff Ellis was out, but, and he did great, but we just have had, this this year especially, we had two phenomenal assistant coaches on the sideline. And I don't know. It's just I would expect somebody with as much basketball knowledge as Cliff Ellis to recognize that and put the program first, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but I think at a certain point, and, and I know the way that Paterno ended at, at Penn State is super unsavory and, and that whole shit. But I think at a certain point, you you turn into paterno, paterno syndrome. You just you believe your own smell is roses, right? Like it's not that you can't like step away. It's that you can't separate yourself from the school and from the program and from the work that you're doing. Cliff Ellis doesn't do that. Cliff Ellis is Coastal Carolina basketball in his own mind. So him walking away is out of the question because then Coastal Carolina basketball walks away. Doesn't exist, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and so it just it won't happen. And, and again, that's why if Matt Hogue could live in Groundhog's Day, he'd be the happiest human being around. Cool, let's schedule another eight Division II schools and one that's not even in the NCAA next year. Awesome. Great job, Matt. And, and one thing I want to one thing I want to mention as well is is probably something we don't ever talk about enough. But now it I I know what the roster is going to look like next year, and it's going to have zero freshmen in the recruiting class. We don't our recruiting class is transfers. We don't have a recruiting class, mm-hmm. and we the only had one freshman last year, and it's Josh Dujak. I mean, it, it's. I don't even know how that's even possible. Like, well, how can you yeah, how think possible. to build a program? I can tell you how it's possible. Cliff Ellis isn't recruiting. And 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 the guys that we have as assistant coaches are awesome at hitting the JUCO transfers, right. grabbing the guys from Power 5 schools that are ready to try something, or bigger schools, if you want to include Vince Cole from St. John's. Like, they're good at, at grabbing those guys that are like, six or seven on their bench looking for a bigger role like hey come here let's do this i'm a good coach i'll get you there and you rely on your head coach because that's the guy that you know is those assistant coaches are recruiting for next year because if you have a good year as an assistant coach you become a head coach the next season like why do they give a shit about three years from now they don't have to you know who the head coach who's got a five-year contract but cliff ellis isn't out hitting the recruiting trail there's no way that guy is out there hitting the recruiting trail. Yeah, I think he's extended literally one like offer over the past two years. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You cannot have a healthy program like that because you will never have buy into the program. We make God for Isan Mustafa. Yeah, Amen. That's it. That's that's the only guy that's bought in to Teal and Bronze, and maybe Yuduje gets there. At some but he's only he's, it's hard to tell at this point, right? right? Yeah. Hell, we're we're six months away, well, a little bit less. We're four or five months away from basketball tip off. And he's a he's hell a of a basketball year. player. Yes. He's that, a hell of a basketball that player. That dude can walk into ninety percent of the schools in division one and, and be in their starting five. Yeah. We do Jay good. He really and Mustafa is probably at seventy five percent of D one. Yeah. But he's not far off. And to bring up what Curtis was saying, I mean, you know, Coach Cliff Ellis is kind of like our Coach K down here at Coastal. I mean, granted, we haven't really – we haven't won a championship at Coastal yet. I mean, this was our opportunity this last season, but we didn't get it done. But he did lead us to our only NCAA tournament appearance back in 2015. 2014 as well. 2014. So, he, yeah. in a way, he's kind of our, like, Coach K in a way. He's, he's led this team to a, a tournament – appears you know we haven't had that before in the since 93 since we were established um but you know it's you know some something's just gotta somebody's just gotta tell them i mean eventually you know you just gotta know and hang it up i mean i know a press conference i went to earlier this year he had signed a three-year extension so he's got two more years left but it just makes you wonder like what the the state of the shauna claire basketball men's team is going to go uh going forward and i hope that you know we can we can get to where this team was or even better to try to get this team back to the 14, 15 team that got it to the NCAA tournament. But right now it's, it's looking like dark clouds are over this program for right now. Well, and yeah. And that's just, it's always been my thing with coastal Carolina in the years that I've been here, that at a certain point you have to raise your own level. Right. 
Like, you can't be content with, like, yeah, well, six years ago, he made the NCAA tournament. 2015 is seven years ago. Yeah, I know. Tip off of this next season. That's true. Seven years. You cannot, as. And like, that season tipped off in 2014. Like, yeah. Eight years ago, really. Eight years ago, really. And, yeah. like, you cannot let a guy live off a legacy like that or you become the next USF. USF had a great football program. Trey Flowers down there at quarterback. Like, he were killing it in, like, the mid to early, uh, like, the mid to late 2000s and then somewhere into the teens. They were, like, a top 25 football program, and the rest of the sports came with them, and they never raised their standards. They were cool with still being like, hey, if we go 10 wins in a football season, that's awesome. But the goal is four, so cool. And now they're completely and totally... They're like the seventh biggest school in the state of Florida. Yeah. They're like the fourth biggest school in the city of Tampa. Yep. So, like, that, you have to raise your standards. Can you raise them to Duke or Kansas levels or Alabama and Clemson levels in football? No. But you can raise them to be top of the group of five. You can raise them to be Cincinnati standards. You can raise them to be VCU standards. And, and it's it's unacceptable to allow Cliff Ellis to, to continue to coach this program because he made the tournament seven years ago. And that's your standard is, hey, we made it. We showed up. Ah, cool. Fuck that. You need to be better. Yeah. You have to be better. Yep. And we'll see. I, I don't have a lot of faith in, in this coaching staff or in this team. I love me some Josh Uduje. I love Isan Mustafa. But, man, they got nothing behind them. Like, Day will be fine. But if you're relying Uduje on... is about to drop 20 points a game next year. Yeah. But he's on 30 boards. He's, uh, he has to. That's the only way you're competitive. <laughs> if, if I had to cast a vote now, and I know Coastal has, like, six kids on the roster, like yeah. the transfers that are actually coming in and the three that are left over... But if I was casting a vote right now, I'd pick us to finish 10th, maybe 11th in the Sun Belt next season. Unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. But that's where that's where we're at. And we're going to let it roll because Cliff Ellis is a legend. Cool. But yeah, I mean, that's where I'm at with that. That's kind of our basketball episode mixed into this <laughs> garbage pile of an episode here that we got going on. But... Um, Moving on a little bit to something, well, something extremely positive and, and, and really looking up and up for, for Coastal, um, the NFL draft. Uh, two players taken with, with legitimate selections in Isaiah Likely to the Baltimore Ravens and in the same division. Uh, they're going to match up against each other two times a year. It's going to be awesome to see. Uh, Gunter uh, gets drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. On top of that, you have a bunch of guys sign undrafted free agent uh, contracts. Uh, it's on the up and up. You know, we talked with uh, Tyler Thigpen before. He's he's the first pro shant, if you will, right? He's the guy that got, yeah. got drafted first at the inception of this program, and he said it was coming. You know, this program can can turn into a feeder program that puts a lot of guys in the NFL. And this year proved it. So, what, what were you guys thinking? Uh, what was what was your kind of reaction to a the players themselves being drafted and, and b their destinations? Yeah, really, just 
a lot of these dudes are great dudes, and especially the dudes that weren't drafted right away. Like we talk about Alex Spillum, Derek Bush, highly, especially highly, because I didn't know how much the NFL would look at his not not his not his highlight tape, but like his combine measurables and kind of limit him in their minds of what he could be as a player because I believe he's a fantastic receiver and a fantastic route runner, but a lot of these guys have been grinders and some of them like Shamari Jones is a guy that we're very high on, on this podcast. And he's a guy that definitely, I mean, he's an NFL caliber player. You mentioned he was high on your big board. He played very unselfishly in a backfield of three dudes for two straight years and had no complaints about it, played his role, turned that into an NFL opportunity, and he's going to make that roster. Just a lot of unselfish guys that played their role at Coastal didn't leave us for some bigger opportunity or NIL deal when they had the chance, and it's going to pay off, and it's going to pay huge dividends for this program as well. Well, for me, I'm just I'm, – I'm happy and excited for these guys because yeah. I mean, these guys definitely deserve everything – that um, they got with these contracts. Um, I'm definitely happy for Isaiah Likely. We knew the type of player he was. Jeffrey Gunther, we knew the type of player he was. I actually had class with him, um, <laughs> which was pretty cool to say that I, I, I had a class with him, and now he's going to be playing next uh, next to Joe Burrow. Joe Burr. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, Enoch McConzo going to the CFL. Yeah. Happy for him. You know, first ever Sean Claire to go to the CFL. Fourth so, overall. Yeah, that's that's pretty pretty damn good. Um, Silas Kelly going to the Cleveland Browns. I'm really happy for him. You know, he's been the leader of that defense, one of the leaders on that defense. You know, really wouldn't have won the Kirbo if it wasn't for that, you know, that punch out he oh, had uh, in that, uh, at the Kirbo. And um, the, the Alex Spillum tackle on the same play. I was just about to bring him up. The <laughs> Alex, you know, getting an opportunity with Tampa Bay. I mean, that's great. Uh, Cam Brown. Yeah. Really happy for him. I mean, you know, the, the 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 route he's been with being at Charleston Southern and coming here and making a name for himself, and now he's got – he signs with them. Going to be catching some touchdown passes from Tom Brady this upcoming season. So, you know, I'm really happy for him. Uh, Teddy Gallagher getting an opportunity yeah. with the Carolina Panthers. I hope that he gets – he could be like a Luke Keekley type of player. I hope he could get on there with the Panthers. The Panthers need some help, and I know he could, <laughs> he could do that. C.J. Brewer. Going with the Bills, I'm really happy for him as well. Um, all these guys are going to make major contributions to these teams. We know what they can do. I know that they're going to make contributions to this. Yeah, and, and even if they don't make the, the game day roster out of training camp, we've been around these guys enough to know that they're good guys. Sure, I took my shots at, at Teddy Gallagher for the, the Chase Bryce Instagram stuff. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I really did. But, <laughs> but like... This, these are all good dudes. We've been around this program enough and have talked to enough coaches and have talked to some of these guys themselves. These are good dudes. They deserve this chance. They deserve this opportunity for them and their families, and I think they're going to make the most of it. I think a guy like Cam Brown, because of the offense we played, just didn't get highlighted enough, and that's that's shown. He, he made it through rookie minicamp. He's now going to be on the training camp roster. He's going to be on the 90-man roster for, for the Buccaneers. Cam Brown has a chance to catch Tom Brady's last touchdown pass seven years from now. But, like, <laughs> seven years. That old man is going to play till he's 50. 
That's a whole nother discussion for another day. Keep going. <laughs> oh, yeah. But like, I'm I'm so happy for those guys and so happy for this program because I grew up cheering for Penn State. And Penn State has put like I think they're number six all time in like NFL draft picks. So it, it's a completely different world. But Penn State would constantly in every recruiting video, in every recruiting visit, in every recruiting message and like and follow on social media. There would be an NFL player attached to it. And that means a lot to these kids, right? Like, sure, you're, when you come to Coastal, you're not going to sign the NIL deal that you could at Texas or USC. But to look at a player like Isaiah Likely and be like, damn, I can believe in this system. I can work in this system with Jamie Chadwell, and I can be, A, a local legend. Isaiah Likely will be – he's oh, up yeah. there for me. Like, he'll be – that, that game against Arkansas State alone is one of the most dominating performances in college football of the last couple of years, let alone coastal football. And, like, yeah, it means a lot for this program moving forward to have, you know, those pictures. And there's a lot of them that are going up this year. Usually there's, like, one, maybe two if you're lucky. Man, you got two guys taken with draft picks, two guys that teams believe in so much that they said, we can't risk having another team sign them. And now you've got a bunch of guys that, that are coming in undrafted and are making teams, are making training camp rosters, are going to make an impact. And you're going to add like seven pictures to that wall of like shots in the pros that's in, in the Norman Fieldhouse. And it's going to be awesome for every recruit that visits and every person that gets to go into that building. Yeah, and... I think on that wall now, I think there what there 11, 12 guys on that wall currently. Maybe. We had 11 dudes signed to signed or drafted to professional football. That wall almost is going to double in one year. And you can't even like you mentioned Cam Brown, who shout out to Cam Brown for believing in himself because I, he wasn't even on my radar as even getting a reach out, not because he's not a good player, but because you only get 500 yards and you're 24 years old, your senior, super senior year of college. I mean, what does that say about the program that your third option receiving and a guy that's been around so long can still get an opportunity to win the NFL? I mean, that's fantastic. Well, you know, for me, it just makes me know that this class that that's leaving, it's got to go down as the best ever. It's got to go down as the yeah. best ever in coastal history. It's got to go. I think start. It's going to go down until we get more recruits, until we start getting more four- and five-star recruits. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot, but this this is going to be the start. This is what gets it going. This These guys that got drafted and got opportunities, these are the guys that, that set the standard. You know, without these guys, you know, coastal football wouldn't even be where it's at right now. We wouldn't have beaten BYU. We wouldn't have beaten Northern Illinois in the Cure Bowl. Um, you know, these guys set the standard, and I'm excited for all the other recruits that come because they're going to see these guys making plays on Sundays, and they're going to want to say, I want to come to Coastal and be a part of that as well. They're going to buy into what Jamie Chadwell is doing as long as he stays. And, you know, it's just – I'm happy for these guys, and I, I couldn't be more proud of them. I really couldn't. Yeah, it's it's an awesome feeling for, for us as Coastal students and, and, and Coastal alums here pretty soon um, that, like, listen, we can, we can point back and be like, when I was at school at Coastal – this was the standard. These were the guys. And the biggest shame, and it's, a, it's the same argument I had with, with uh, the basketball team. It'd be a shame if this is 
the team we look back at 20 years ago from now and go, damn, that was the best Coastal team ever. You know? They're the best team ever right now. Period. Bar none. These guys set the standard. But damn if this isn't a good launching pad to, to bring Coastal to the next level and, you know, these guys get an opportunity to show off on Sundays, and I know some of them are going to do amazing jobs. Just think about the Ravens' offense for a second, right? Yeah, right. They drafted two tight ends in the same round. They drafted Charlie Kohler, who's like 6'12". Like, he's massive. And Isaiah Likely. And they're going to pair them with Mark Andrews. And they traded Hollywood Brown. So they've got Rashad Bateman at wide receiver. So they're going to line up with two tight ends almost every play. And they're either going to have Lamar Jackson just run it down your throat because he can do that. Or he's going to throw it 30 yards downfield to Isaiah Likely because you thought he was going to run it down your throat, and he's breaking behind your safety. Like, this, it's an awesome opportunity for, for Coastal and, and for these guys, so I'm, I'm just excited about it. But I'll kind of leave it up to you guys, um, wrapping up the podcast here. But, again, that, that could mean 30 seconds from now or 30 minutes. We don't know. We're just kind of going today. What do you guys want to talk about next? I'll open the floor to you guys. Man, I don't really have much else for now. I hope we do. We're probably going to get some, especially after Selection Sunday for baseball. But right now, especially like you mentioned for football, it's just a great time to be a Shauna Clear. And just a, a real quick, I wanted to mention the guys that a lot of these guys that got signed to these teams and even the guys that got drafted, it was a special time to be, especially a media member at Coastal because those guys were great with the media and they didn't get a lot of it in college. And they were more than happy to hop on the podcast with us or chop it up with us on the sidelines while we're working the broadcast or we're, I mean, we're, we were in classes with these guys and at the start of their careers, nobody even recognized them. Pretty much all of these guys have been there for two, three years when coastal football was nothing and projected three and nine. So just shout out to those guys for being good guys and treating I mean, treating everybody with respect and especially the media guys and just appreciating that there were people then that wanted to pay attention to them because they're about to get a whole hell of a lot more coverage than they did. And so are future coastal athletes. But shout out to this group of guys, man. A great group of guys. Yeah, I'm like, Josh, I can't think of anything. I mean, you got the NBA playoffs going on, but, you know, I really don't want to get into that until like the finals. Um but there's nothing more I can say about these guys. These guys work their butts off and deserve everything that's coming to them. And I'm looking forward to seeing what this year's team's going to do come yeah. next year, come around this time next year. Who's going to be the next couple of shots or big group of shots to get drafted? I can't wait to see who comes out next year. But yeah, I just, I'm looking forward to August and September already so I can see Isaiah Likely hurtling defenders in the mm-hmm. NFL. And I'm looking forward to seeing Jeffrey Guther sack. Patrick Mahomes a couple of times in a game. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Silas, you get you a sack too for Cleveland. I want to see y'all try to win the AFC North. You and uh you and Isaiah going at it. I can't wait to see that game. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, it really is. So I guess with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up, guys. This was a heck of a lot of fun. We gotta do this more often. So uh, for sure. <laughs> we'll be uh, we'll be back soon. I, I can guarantee you that. But with that, signing off for Josh and Jordan, my name is Curtis. Follow us on Twitter at The Shant Show, on Instagram at Shant Show. You know, we've been gone for a while. We know that uh, there's...
probably going to be a couple of you that dropped off and, and missed out. But stay tuned. We're going to be back. We're going to be here. We're going to, you know, this thing is going to keep rolling now that we're, we're finally here. So with that...